the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to start this morning in verse 53, where we left off last week. We've reached the very last story in, the, in uh, the chapter 13 of Matthew, and we're ready to round the corner into chapter 14. You can find this on Pew Bible, page number 970. So Matthew is the book. It's the first book in your New Testament. And then the chapter is the big number, so look for the big 1, 3, the big 13. And then find the little verse, verse number, verse 53. Verse 53 begins with Jesus finishing. Matthew tells us that Jesus finishes telling the parables that we often call the parables of the kingdom. That's what Matthew 13 has been all about. Parables about the upside-down, inside-out kingdom of God which has come much smaller than we might have expected, is coming much slower than we might have expected, though it's happening all around us if we have eyes to see it, and will come much greater than we can ever expect. The kingdom is a treasure, Jesus says. And if you find it, you've found everything. If you miss it, you've lost everything. And if you know it, you should share it with everyone. That's what Jesus has been teaching about in Matthew chapter 13, using these enigmatic little stories, these stories with a shove, these parables. But not everyone likes it. Not everyone gets it. Many, in fact, don't want to get it. One of the big reasons why Jesus taught in parables was so that those who wanted to get the kingdom would get the parables, and those who rejected the kingdom would not get the parables. And from this point on in the Gospel of Matthew, there's an obvious growing difference between the two. Now, we've seen this already. Some are receiving King Jesus and some are rejecting King Jesus. But it's going to become more and more obvious as the book progresses. More and more of a stark difference between the two. Today, I want to look at two stories about rejection. We're not going to get very far this morning. We're not going to end on a high note in the Bible. We're going to end with a gruesome death. I propose today that we read and study Matthew 13, verse 53, through Matthew 14, verse 12, which is a passage all about rejection, persecution, unbelief, scorn, violence, and death. Here's the title I chose to summarize those, these two major stories. Living the Last Beatitude. Living the Last Beatitude, which is a really happy title for a sad passage. Because a beatitude is what? It's a, a happy saying, right? It's a statement of flourishing. To be blessed, to be in a state of beatitude, is to be in a state to be congratulated, to be in a joyful position. Does anybody remember the last beatitude? They're all upside down. Jesus keeps telling his disciples, good for you, when? And then he follows it with things you'd never think to congratulate somebody about. Do you remember the beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Do you remember the last one? It's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. I'll put it up here on the screen. 
Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Congratulations if that's you. Because you're flourishing. And you will flourish. Way to go. Good on ya. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear this one. That, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun up there. And yet it does sound good too, at least by the end, right? If Jesus says something is a blessing, then it is, right? Even if it doesn't seem like it at first, what we just sang. I am who you say I am. Things are as you say they are. Even if it's hard. Well, today we have two hard stories. But I think that under and through them both, the last beatitude flows. Let's read the first one and then pray together. This one is the end of Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom? And these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Would you pray, Father? Or would you pray with me? (laughs) Father, Father, we are who you say we are. The world yells at us and says, you're trash. Satan says, you're nothing but a sinner. But you say, I'm chosen, I'm forgiven. That you've prepared a place for me. Not because I deserve it, but because Jesus died for me. I am who you say I am. And you've also said, rejoice and be glad. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It's the way they treated the prophets. So you're in good company. So Lord, Help us, Lord, to hear the echoes of this last beatitude in these rough stories and to adjust our attitudes and our lives accordingly to your word. To stand on your promises, even when it means going through the hardest things. For Jesus' sake, and in Jesus' name we pray. The headline of the Nazareth newspaper said, Local boy makes good. Everybody in Galilee is talking about Jesus. Everybody's excited because they know this guy. For a couple of decades, 
this guy made tools and furniture as an apprentice in his adopted father Joseph's carpenter business. And now Jesus has come back to Nazareth. He's come back to his hometown, and he's showing up at the synagogue to teach his popular message. And Matthew says that the local people were amazed. But it wasn't a good kind of amazement. Look again at verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, these kingdom stories, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, which we know as Nazareth, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Now listen to their questions. Are these questions about the kingdom of God? Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. He isn't like we remembered him. Isn't this a carpenter's son? Yeah. Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Yeah, 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 yeah. Aren't all his sisters with us? We know them. They married local guys. Where then did this man get all these things? No, these are not the questions of the kingdom. They are questions about Jesus. These are the kind of questions the Gospel of Matthew exists to answer, right? What's the key question in the Gospel of Matthew? Who is Jesus? Matthew is a theological biography of Jesus Christ. It reveals to us the identity of our Lord. But these folks... They couldn't see it. Familiarity breeds what? Contempt. They didn't buy it. They didn't buy that Jesus was who we believe He is. Notice that they didn't think He could be doing these miracles because they'd never seen them before. I think that's interesting because there are some false gospels from the 2nd and 3rd centuries that say, for example, that Jesus was doing miracles when He was a little kid. I don't think so. Not only do these Gnostic Gospels not sound like the original Gospels when you read them, but they don't match the picture we get here either. His hometown community did not think that Jesus was anybody special. And after hearing Him teach, they were sure of it. They rejected Jesus. That's what this story is saying. Look at verse 57. And they took offense at Him. They were, they were scandalized by him. They rejected who he was communicating that he was. They said, no way. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. You know, I, I always thought that Jesus was just kind of smiling and shaking his head when he said that. Because that's how we use that phrase. Like, yeah, yeah, only, only in a hometown would... would You not be recognized for who you are. But this is serious. This isn't just a joke that people back home never really appreciate it when their favorite son comes back and all they can see when they look at you is little old so-and-so that they used to know when you were little. This is serious. These people basically decided that Jesus was a false prophet and a false teacher and they rejected Him. At some point, perhaps right after this, the other Gospels tell us that they decided that Jesus was truly trouble and they were going to push Him off the side of a cliff. They did not have faith. And it was serious 
You see the upshot in verse 58? And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Because they did not believe. It wasn't just that they had questions. They did not have faith. They rejected Jesus. And he wasn't going to do miracles because they weren't interested any longer. What's going on is that things are progressing towards the cross. We all know where this story is going to end up, right? I only have two points this morning. And they're as much from the last beatitude as they are from this passage. But I think this passage illustrates them. Number one, expect to be rejected. Jesus was. Expect to be rejected. I don't know, maybe you didn't come to church this morning to hear that. I wanted something positive and encouraging. Well, tune into Caleb if that's what you want. Here we're going to look at the Bible. Jesus says, expect to be rejected. Jesus told us that we should not expect better treatment than he got. In the last beatitude, he said, blessed are you when, not if, people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That last part's important, because of me. Expect that that's going to happen. The Apostle Paul says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if we're not receiving persecution for living a godly life, maybe we're doing it wrong. Expect some rejection. Even from family and friends. Maybe especially from family and friends, those who know you. These people knew Jesus. He grew up right there under their noses. And they said, no, I don't think so. Even though they had seen some miracles. Do you see that? Where did he get these miracles, they say? It's not that he wasn't doing any. It's they're like, well, where did that come from? Miracles by themselves don't convince people who don't want to be convinced. Do you want to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, but your family and friends think you're taking it a little too far? You don't have to be a Jesus freak. You don't have to quit that. You don't have to get that involved. Boy, it sure has taken up a lot of your time. Time you used to spend on me. You don't have to change in that way, do you? Don't you think it's a bit much? I know that we don't currently experience extreme persecution in most of the United States right now. I'm thankful for that. There are a lot of reasons for that in the providence of God. We aren't supposed to go looking for persecution in the hopes of finding it. We aren't supposed to be spiritual masochists. Come, hurt me. We can pray against persecution and hope that it doesn't come. But Jesus says we should also expect it and not get all huffy when it does. If you follow Jesus, it will get hard at times. It just will. And at sometimes it's going to get really, really hard. Don't be surprised. I think that we're so used to comfortability, I know I am, that we think that if persecution comes, then something has gone wrong with the plan. That God has made some mistake. Joel Michaels has been teaching the Wednesday, prayer, Wednesday night prayer meeting from 1 Peter. Peter says in chapter 4 of his letter, 
Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. It's actually strange if nothing bad is happening to you because you're following Jesus. He's saying you're living the last beatitude. This is what he said it was going to be like. In this world you will have trouble. This is how they treated the prophets who were before you. How they treated your own Lord. Now I know that this story was about Jesus. And of course he was rejected. But do his followers really need to prepare for that too? Look at the next story. Chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now, that can be a little confusing, so follow along with me here as I unpack it for you. This is not Herod the Great, so-called the Great, the, the king who tried to kill baby Jesus after the wise men came. That was his dad. Okay? That was Herod the Great. This is Herod, one of Herod's sons, Herod Antipas, not Antipasto. I know you, some of you are like, I'm ready for lunch. Herod Antipas, who was a tetrarch, which is like the governor of a quarter of a territory. King Herod was kind of over the whole territory. After he died, it was divided up into four parts, at least three. Three of those parts were governed by his sons. This is his son, Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas hears about Jesus. Okay, there's these reports coming in from the countryside. There's baptisms going on out there. There's this guy gathering crowds. He's, he's teaching. There's miracles going on. And the reports are coming into Herod Antipas. He's heard about Jesus. And Herod Antipas gets scared that Jesus is John the Baptist back from the dead which is weird because we didn't know that John the Baptist had died yet. So verses 3 through 12 are like a flashback to inform us in how John the Baptist has died. But before we look at that, notice again what the big deal is. What's the big deal here? Who is Jesus? Right? Who is Jesus? Keep your eye on the ball in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, the ball is, who is Jesus? Herod Antipas superstitiously thinks that Jesus may be John the Baptist come back to haunt him in some way. Because sadly, he, Herod, had had John killed. Verse 3. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Now that takes some explaining too, right? It's like, okay, what does that sentence mean? Well, here you need a little bit of a history lesson, and it's a lot like a soap opera, okay? This Herod family was like a bad episode or even a season of Jerry Springer, okay? You see, Herod Antipas had been married a first time to a princess of the Nabataean kingdom. But he didn't like her, okay? When he broke up with her, her dad went to war with him, and the Romans had to step in to keep things uh, peaceful in Israel, okay? He didn't like his first wife. Here's who he liked. He liked his niece, a woman named Herodias, who was married to his brother, Philip. 
So Herod, you following along? No, it's, it's confusing, isn't it, right? Herod doesn't like his first wife. He likes somebody else's wife. Okay, is that good or bad? That's bad, right? In any day or age, right? Turns out that the one he likes is actually his niece, biologically. And it's his sister-in-law, right? She's married to his brother, Philip. Okay, another one of Herod the Great's sons. So, what do you got to do? Well, you got to do what your heart wants, right? Herod divorces his wife, the princess, for no biblical reason. And Herodias, also named after Herod the Great, divorces Philip for no biblical reason, and they get together. And John said, John had the audacity to say that that was wrong. Shouldn't do that. It's against the law. It's against God's law. It's adultery. It's not, John, it says that John kept on saying it. It's not lawful for you to have her. He said it in public. He said it on social media posts. Herod did not like that. Herodias did not like that. It's wrong. Leviticus chapter 18, Leviticus chapter 20 says so. It's adultery. This is breaking the seventh commandment. John was speaking the truth to power. John the Baptist was being John the Baptist. He was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he didn't change his tune. Even when he was thrown into prison, Look at verse 5. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. You know why? Because he was one. I think it's really important to see that John does not back down. He doesn't bow to political pressure. He doesn't just say what Herod and Herodias want to hear. John could have probably changed his tune and gotten out of prison. You know, if you're careful around powerful people, you can get a lot of favor. But John was a herald of the kingdom. And he didn't stop. He expected to be rejected. And in a way, he even chose it. Okay. He didn't back down. Do you need to see that today? John's example? (coughs) Do you need to be emboldened to speak the truth no matter what the consequences, even if you don't get the likes on Facebook? Not to become offensive by your manner or because of your opinions. I'm not talking about opinions here. I'm talking about God's Word. I'm talking about the truth. John spoke out for righteousness. John spoke out for the Gospel, for truth. He spoke out about the coming kingdom. It's near. He spoke out for Jesus. Is there anybody that you need to rebuke? I don't know about you, but I hate rebuking someone. I hate it. Ugh, it is, it's not so bad when I can do it up here from the safety of this pulpit and be generic. 
right? But when I have to get into someone I love's face and call them to repent, oh man, I don't like to do that. Because I don't want to be rejected in return. I like to be liked. I don't want them to put their fingers in their ears like Herod and Herodias did here. No, 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 I'm not listening. They did not want to hear this. They had ignored their consciences and they did not want John to reawaken them. Turn that around for a second. Maybe you're not John the Baptist. Maybe you're Herod or Herodias right now. You know what is right and you know what is wrong, but you've chosen the wrong and you don't care. You don't want to hear about it. You've got your fingers in your ears. Don't go there. Don't stay there. Don't choose that path. It is not safe or good to go against your conscience. Don't make up stories about how everybody else is doing it or how science has shown that it's okay or how you only do it a little. Don't make excuses and don't run from your conscience. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Herod was a very weak man. He wouldn't kill John, not because he didn't want to, but because he was scared to. But then he was given an opportunity on a silver platter on his birthday. Verse 6. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias, okay, now here's another character, the daughter of Herodias, this is by her previous marriage, also his niece and his grandniece, danced for them. And pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. What kind of dance was that? I remember when I was a teenager going to see a production of a gospel um, play. And they acted this one out. And the, the daughter of Herodias, who Josephus tells her, her name was Salome, uh, she danced a Marilyn Monroe seductive erotic dance. Kind of singing happy birthday to you and... Uh, uh, kind of a feather dance. Herod's niece by marriage and great niece by blood and stepdaughter-in-law. And she was doing what was probably an erotic dance on his birthday and he was loaded and had no self-control and promised to give this girl whatever she asked. So she asked mommy, hey mommy, what what should I ask for? And mommy said, oh, I've got a good one. Let's kill John. Verse 8. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed and should have repented of his oath. But because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests, always caring what other people think, He ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. This really happened. This is is not just a, a bad episode of a television show nobody should watch, TVMA. This is gruesome and it's ghoulish and it's wrong. Herod was ruled by his lust and his pride and his fear. He looked like the most powerful person in the room. 
His seat was sitting higher than everybody else. But he was really the weakest. Don't allow yourself to be ruled by your lust and your pride and your fear and your hate. And he had John killed. And the party screeched to a halt as they brought his severed head in on a platter. And then the band started again. And the party went on. Friends, this is what happens right now while we wait for the kingdom to come in all of its fullness. Don't be surprised when this happens. Expect to be rejected. Choose to be rejected. If it means, even if it means going against your friends and family and community, and especially if it means choosing the kingdom of God over the kingdoms of this world. Speak out for truth. Speak out for the coming kingdom. It's near. Don't say, well, that's not here yet. Uh, That's for some other day. I don't have to live like that now. Live like the Sermon on the Mount now, friends. The kingdom is near. Speak out for Jesus. He is the king. But don't expect everybody to like it. Expect, at least at times, to be rejected. That's how they treated the prophets who were before you. So this is the end of our story for today. And it's a sad place to end. It ends with a burial. Verse 12. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. That's going to make Jesus very sad as well. Because he, he didn't, John didn't just baptize him. He was a relative, right? This is the end of our story for today, but it's not the end of John the Baptist's story, is it? Is it? No, they had done their worst, and it was only a beheading. Remember what John told, what Jesus told the disciples before they went on their missions trip? Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what John did. John had his fear in the right place. He feared the Lord. So he didn't fear Herod or Herodias. That's why he could be so bold. Because he knew the promise of God. That's what he was doing. He was standing on the promises. And yes, it cost him his head. But so what? Because John knew the flip side of the last beatitude. Expect to be rewarded. Expect to be rewarded. Listen again to the last beatitude. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Even if they take off your head. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward where it really counts. Great is your reward in heaven. We tend to think that the worst thing that could ever happen to us is that we would be beheaded. Friends, I don't want to be beheaded. But it's not the worst thing that could happen to me. You know what would be worse? It would be worse if I denied King Jesus and kept my head. That would be worse. One day, John the Baptist will rise again. Herod was right about that, though he was wrong to think that Jesus was John the Baptist risen from the dead. 
But one day, John the Baptist will rise from the dead. And he'll have a whole new body in a whole new world. Right now, John the Baptist enjoys living in the presence of God. Great is his reward. John the Baptist is living it up. We are just kind of slumming it. Great is his reward in heaven because he was faithful. And great will be his reward in the new heavens and the new earth. Friends, we can't wrap our minds around that, but we should try. And we should live for that day right now. You know that all this prefigures both the cross and the resurrection, right? Jesus was rejected. It's coming. It's coming in this book. Not just by his hometown, but by everyone who should have received him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He died, yes. And then he rose again. He was rejected and then he was restored up from the grave. We just sang it. He rose again. And now he stands in victory since curse has lost its grip on me. Amazingly, we get the reward. Jesus lived the last beatitude perfectly and it has made for us all the difference. 